Hey everyone, in this teaching, we're gonna talk about a really key idea that runs throughout the scriptures. And it's one of those ideas that helps us significantly navigate the divided and racially charged times that we find ourselves in. And it's one of those core ideas that if we can understand well, it's gonna propel us forward in being able to serve the world well, to enter into situations that are very challenging, and to do so as followers of Jesus that are bearing witness to God in the world in a way that God actually wants to be represented. And so let's dive in and see what we can learn from this amazing idea today. Hello everyone, I'm Brad Gray and welcome to the Teaching Series Podcast. I've learned that most of us have never been taught how to engage the Bible the way it was intended in its original context and we are missing out on so much. I created the Teaching Series, which is a weekly video series that explores some aspect of the Bible in its original context and then talks through how we can apply it well to our own context. This podcast is the audio version of those highly visual video teachings, which can be found at walkingthetext.com. Please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and let's jump into the episode. Our world is divided. Here in the United States, we're divided racially, politically, economically, socially, and even religiously. And it's intense right now, which is precisely why we wanted to do a mini-series on the dignity of difference, a phrase I snagged from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And one of the things that we did in laying the foundation for this mini-series is we talked in part one about how Jesus' discipleship group, his Talmudim, was as diverse as possible in the first century world. And if, by the way, you haven't had a chance to watch or listen to this episode, stop this one and go watch that. It will provide a context for where we're going to go in this episode. But essentially, we talked about how God was a God of unity, not a God of uniformity. And so we want to continue to push in deeper to this theme to better understand the dignity of difference. And there is a theme that runs throughout the biblical story that I actually spent some time talking about in the restoration of all things. Some of you have seen this teaching on the entire Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, but I've actually learned quite a bit about the theme we're going to talk about today since recording that and feel like it is extremely appropriate for us to understand if we're going to navigate the challenging times of our day well. And so it begins in Genesis chapter 1, which is a great place to begin with the Bible. God speaks and the world leaps into order. And God starts identifying things and organizing them and creating the amazing world that we get to inhabit. And among the things that God does is he establishes four relationships in life. There's a relationship we have with God. There's a relationship we have with one another. There's a relationship we have with ourselves. And there's a relationship we have with creation. And when it comes to the relationship between humanity, there is something fundamental in Genesis 1, 
we read in verse 27 that God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Which is a huge statement to launch from because God's take is that everybody has worth, value, and dignity because they are made in his image. Now, in the ancient world, kings, pharaohs, really important people were understood to bear the image of the gods, but not the commoner and especially not those on the underside of society. But the Bible starts with a bang. All human beings have worth, value, and dignity. And as God continues his creation, we see that it is in a state of shalom. Now, when we say shalom, we translate that into peace, but we hear peace as an absence of conflict or serenity of the inner soul. But shalom is a word that means wholeness, well-being, thriving. Everything is as God intends it to be. And there is shalom in the world. There is shalom among the relationships of life. But we all know what happens in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve take from the tree and everything is shattered. And you see this in Genesis 3 playing out. All four relationships in life have been fractured. And now God is in a place where he says, I want to put the whole thing back together. He wants to restore all things. And so one of the things that we see very early on in the biblical story is that God comes to a man by the name of Abram. In Genesis 12, and he says, Abram, leave your land and family. Go to the land I will show you. I will give you family, and you're going to be a blessing to the entire world. But then we get a few chapters later in Genesis 18, God more specifically identifies why he has chosen Abraham. And friends, this is a monumental moment in the scriptures. Check out what God says about why he has chosen Abraham and his descendants to be his children in the world. God says this, For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. These words, righteousness and justice, they're actually melded together throughout the scriptures. And so let's talk about these individually for a moment. When you hear the word righteousness, what do you hear? Right? You probably hear how I heard it growing up. It's like right behavior. Like you're supposed to be doing a certain thing and it's a religious term and all of this. And righteous means, ah, you're just doing things right. Well, that's in true in part. But the word righteousness in Hebrew is the word zedekah. And zedekah means the standard of being in right relationship. We've got four relationships in life, and when we're in right relationship, the biblical word is righteousness. And then the word justice is the word mishpat, which means the actions taken to restore righteousness and prevent injustice. See, at the beginning of the story, there was righteousness. Everyone was in right relationship, but the moment we hit Genesis 3, and the shalom of God's world is shattered, the righteousness of the relationships are fractured as well. And now justice becomes an imperative because relationships are broken in the world. And we all understand that well. And so God says, listen, when it comes to my people, 
They are to be about righteousness, which means they have to be people who pursue justice and do things to prevent any future injustice. This is talking about legal justice. This is talking about social justice. This is talking about any place where there is a fracture in relationships within society. Righteousness and justice are now the cry of God's people to pursue in the world. And you see that God says, this is why I have chosen them. And later on, we see that the psalmist says in Psalm 89, 14, talking about God, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And in the words of Nicholas Walterstoff, who says, there is no shalom without justice. If God is trying to bring shalom back into the world, then there must be justice. Now, shalom is more than just justice, but it's nothing less than justice. So you can see why this is a big deal to God and why this theme is going to run the gamut of the scriptures. So as the story continues on, Israel gets enslaved in Egypt. God comes and rescues them from their slavery out of Egypt. He brings them to Mount Sinai. And as a people, he affirms their identity, what they are supposed to be in the world. And going on from there... They will come into the land with a conquest and the judges, they'll set up a monarchy and the height of the monarchy early on is under Solomon. And there's this amazing moment where the queen of Sheba comes to the land of Israel to survey what she has heard about. And when she summarizes her visit to Solomon, notice what she says. She says, praise be to the Lord your God who is delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to do justice and righteousness. Isn't that fascinating that that's how she summarizes why Solomon has been given this wealth, this power, this influence in the world? It was for the betterment of others. And as we go on from there, we find that the people of Israel, the kings included, are going to struggle significantly living out justice and righteousness in the land. Now, after Solomon, the kingdom divides. you got the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. They're struggling with the same things. And the prophet Isaiah, who was actually to the southern kingdom, speaks into the situation that is true of both kingdoms. And that is God is angry, upset, and frustrated that his people are not living out, among many things, justice and righteousness in the world. In fact, notice what Isaiah has to say in Isaiah 1, 16 to 17, on the lips of God. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. This is legal justice. This is social justice. This is relationships as a whole. And God says, this is what you should be doing and about. And I love how God just succinctly says, seek justice. This is at the heart of who I am. Well, Israel, the northern kingdom, Judah, the southern kingdom, they don't seek justice. 
and among a number of other issues that they were wrestling with that plagued them, they experienced exile. And in the midst of the exile, they're no doubt being reminded of prophecies and passages from their scriptures that talk about the Messiah, the one who is to come and what he will do in the world. Notice one of the famous passages from Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom, of course, but how? That's where the next verse will snag us and make us very excited to see how this is coming together. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Of course, from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. When Israel doesn't live into their identity and calling in the world, it is prophesied that when the Messiah comes, he will embody who Israel was supposed to be. And friends, the moment Jesus is on the scene, everything is laced in justice and righteousness. From the moment the angel comes to Mary, it's about justice and righteousness. From the heralding of the shepherds on the night Jesus was born, it is all justice and righteousness. When Jesus gets baptized, when he does his first sermon in Luke 4, recorded in Nazareth, it is all justice and righteousness. And Jesus' words and his actions during his life and his ministry in particular, it's all justice and righteousness. And one of the things that Jesus is doing is he is training his disciples to walk after him, to be about justice and righteousness, because if the overarching story is God bringing shalom, wholeness, well-being back into the world, and there is no shalom without justice, then Jesus says, at the heart of what my father is doing in the world is justice, and you are called to be people of justice as well. And so, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, like the seminal section on kingdom training and what it is to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus early on will say these words, which if you're like me, confused me for a very long time. Jesus says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, again, if we think righteousness just means like right behavior, how I've always understood righteousness, then we're all in a lot of trouble if this is what's going on, if this is what Jesus is saying. Because we all know that the scribes and the Pharisees, like they were at a certain level in the minds of the people. And if Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that, you don't have a shot. You go, man, we're all in a lot of trouble. But if we understand that what Jesus is saying is that righteousness here is talking about being in right relationship, and if there's something broken and fractured, then we're pursuing justice. Now this passage makes a whole lot more sense, and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Because right after this, Jesus is going to say, here's how you interact with one another when the relationships have broken down. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will then say this. Well, actually, technically not at the end. This is the end of chapter 6. 
but it's in the middle and it's also pushing you towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When Jesus wants to distill down what his kingdom movement is all about, what God wants from his followers, it's you seek his kingdom and his righteousness. This is a parallelism. That God's kingdom advancing in the world where God's rule and reign invades our space and our world and pushes out the brokenness and the pain and the chaos and reinstates shalom, like that is connected to righteousness. Which if this is what Jesus is preaching and demonstrating and calling his disciples to become, then this is the poignant reality for us today if we call ourselves followers of Jesus is that for us, justice and righteousness are not optional. That for followers of Jesus, this isn't some elective, as I've recently heard Brian Loritz say. It is core curriculum. We are called to seek justice in the world. This is the framework with which the Bible shows us what is important to God and what will bring wholeness and shalom back into our world. And this speaks deeply into the situation that we find ourselves in around the world, but especially for those of us in the United States, as we are moving towards election time, as we are in the midst of George Floyd horrific incidents, where so many people are at odds on so many different levels, we are called to seek justice. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, that's where we're going to be going in our next episode. But suffice to say for the moment, We always want to understand the context of Scripture because the context of Scripture leads us to the context of life. And in part one and in part two, we have been laying out what's the context of Scripture? What's the framework for how we respond well in the world today? But if that doesn't then lead us to a better understanding of our world and more importantly, how we live it out in our world then we're failing miserably. And this has been the heart of walking the text from day one is we don't want you just to better understand the scriptures. We don't want you just to become smarter with the text. The question always becomes, how do we walk this out in our lives? And in the next episode, we're going to specifically talk about Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, people of color, racism, dividedness amongst people groups, and how are we as followers of Jesus supposed to respond in the world today? Because here's the thing, when you hear me say that justice and righteousness are not optional for followers of Jesus, for many of us, we feel a sense of tension because we don't know how to respond well. We feel like if we say anything, we may say something wrong and be offensive. And so for many of us, we're kind of sitting back in the shadows, but we are not called to be people of the shadows. We are called to be people of the light who shine light in the dark places. And so we want to be super helpful to you. And I'm really excited about the next episode. But for us today, let's just simply ask this question. Are you seeking justice?
Like, if this, is this something that is part of our lives? Is this part of your life? And you may go, well, does that mean like, well, you know, I'm supposed to be just attacking the whole issue of racism or human trafficking or, you know, sometimes we talk about justice as this really big thing. No, no, like I'm just talking about in everyday conversations when somebody makes a crack about another ethnic group or they say something politically charged and we just kind of sit there and take it because if we don't speak into it, we become complicit in whatever is being stated. And obviously pursuing justice is bigger than that. It's more expansive than that, but it's also nothing less than simple conversations that we have with people. And so are you seeking justice? Because friends, if we're followers of Jesus, this is at the heart of who we're called to be. Or very succinctly in the words of God, we're called to seek justice. And so I just want to end with two passages that have been particularly um, inspiring, at least for me, to be reminded in this season of what it means to go after the heart of God and what God desires of his followers. In Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, laced in the issue of justice and righteousness, this is what Jeremiah records. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let those who boast, boast about this, that they understand and know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And probably an even more famous passage than that, Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. May this be true of us. Amen. Hey, we hope that this has been helpful to you. And if it has, something that would be really helpful for us is that if you're not subscribed to Walking the Text, just subscribe right now. And if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a like. That lets us know that you're watching it. It also lets YouTube know, hey, people are watching this and liking it so that they'll promote it for others to get as well. And if you just know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this with them. And as always, thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. And may you walk out the text well in your life. 